the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And, you know, we haven't gotten in the last uh, 24 hours any real answers. We have not gotten any real answers for what and why the raid on Mar-a-Lago, President Trump's home, why it took place, what happened. All we have is questions. All we have is questions. We've heard some rumblings of, 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 of things to, to, to explain what happened, but we have no substantive answers as a nation. Think about it. I mean, at this point, we can say that the lack of any answers is probably the best indication that they don't know what the heck they're doing or they don't care what we think. I mean, you'd think there'd be some explanation to say, oh, this is what we did. This is why we did it. And there's been nothing, nothing at all. Now, I have to say, um, it is deeply worrying. And so but let me stop. Uh, welcome to the Pro-America Report. Uh, Ed Martin here. Great to be with you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, so many of you listen to this as a podcast. Very grateful for that. Please, uh, please continue to listen as a podcast or listen on our great Salem Radio Network uh, in the answer. The answer San Diego is our originating station. Go to ProAmericaReport.com and check out our interviews there. We have links and we have the segments there. So all that's available to you. Um, and we're grateful. But at this point, yesterday, I went on a rant and I said, hey, this is outrageous. This is a probable. I mean, this is impossible. This is probably the worst thing I've heard. And on and on and on. And I kept saying to myself, I'm so mad about it. I'm so worried about it. I'm so upset. But something will change. There'll be some explanation that will be a bad explanation, but at least we'll hear something. Instead, we saw the president had an event yesterday. I think it was uh, Tuesday afternoon. And he had an event, didn't answer any questions, nothing. Hiding, reading his uh, prepared statements. And we don't know anything else. So at this point, we don't know why it happened. We don't know what was going on. We don't know anything. We heard some explanations from President Trump's staff who were there at the time on duty. And they've sort of explained what they saw, but nobody knows much more. And I'm getting texts from listeners. I'm getting texts from old friends who are saying, oh, my gosh, Ed, what's happening? Why is this happening in America? This doesn't look like America. This is not something we expected. And they're right. And they're right. Now, I don't think, I've never thought, whether it was um, regarding uh, Stop the Steal events that took place in uh, uh, late November, early December 2020, even January 6, 2021, I've always cautioned that, you know, don't let your rhetoric go too far. You'll get wackadoodles who will say something crazy and you'll get stuck with it because if you're out there, so be careful, be smart. Your rhetoric doesn't need to be over the top. And frankly, in a world where you'll be punished for your speech, where you'll be targeted for your positions, see Michael Flynn, see Alex Jones, see Roger Stone, see the January 6th defendants, where you'll be targeted, you have to be even more careful. Just to be smart, you have to be careful. So let's all be careful what we're saying and calling for. But let's be clear. The fact that our government has yet to explain what it's doing is an indication of corruption completely. 
And when I say corruption, I mean corruption. It may, you say, well, oh, I don't know if there's actually a conspiracy of people who are doing something to do this. That's what some of my friends say that are more liberal. Oh, I don't know. It's just a mistakes. No, at a certain point, a set of conduct, a set of a, 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 a series, that's a better word, a series of actions and that, that conduct indicates corruption. It doesn't have to indicate that you have a meeting of the minds or you're sitting around thinking duplicitous things. If your worldview is such that you think it's okay to be raiding the former president's house uh, ostensibly over a national records request and then not explaining it to the public, if that you think that's okay, if your worldview thinks that's, well, it's might be, then you're, you're corrupt. Your worldview is corrupt. You don't have to be paying cash you don't have to be paid cash like a bribe, that kind of corruption. You could just have a worldview that is so far from what should be happening that what is the truth of America, that it is corrupt, it's broken, it's rotten, it stinks. Now, some people benefit greatly from the system. They love the way the system's set up. They have big jobs and big power and lots of influence. And they're corrupt in a more specific sense that you know. But I'm just talking about People that don't think it's objectionable, people that don't think it's outside of anything we should expect to have this occurring, if you don't think that this is bad and rotten and terrible, then you're corrupt. You've got a problem because that's not America. And the bigger problem is the warning signs that will come, they always do, from people who will say, if you don't stop this now, you will be living with this later for yourself. It, in other words, this doesn't stop with one viewpoint. It's not just, oh, we don't like Trump. We don't like how Trump tweets. We don't like Trump's position on what? I don't know what it is that somebody doesn't like, but it won't, it won't stick to that. You won't be able to have a pro-life position. Why should you? Even though half the country is pro-life and half the country is pro-choice, half the country was for Trump and half the country was for Biden. However you think that election went down, that's about where it was. And yet the minority with power is quite specifically hunting down their political opponents, targeting them, and doing two things very effectively. One, they're putting them in legal jeopardy or jail, putting them in legal jeopardy or jail, or, and this is just as important, scaring the bejesus out of them. Because I hear people who tell me, you, you can't express yourself, your opinions in a job. You can't express your opinions in public. You can't express your political opinions in any significant way without feeling the blowback of the, at this point we can say it, of the design of the power, the people in charge with power. This is the system that they're utilizing against we the people. And it is scary. What you need to know is if you're not objecting strenuously to what's going on in this country, you're part of the problem. I'm not saying you have to riot. I'm not saying you should get your rhetoric too far out. But you have to recognize this is wrong. This is way wrong. And you can't, well, you shouldn't. You can do it, but you shouldn't step back from this one. You have to be willing to step up to it. We, the people, have to. And we have to demand accountability. We have to find the leaders who will lead. We cannot step back now. It's going too far too fast.
So that's what I see. That's what you need to know. All right. We got to take a break. We'll come back. We got a lot more. And I, you know, we're going to update on uh, things on the border. And uh, later on the program in segment four, I will fill you in on what the uh, Biden administration is doing. Uh, they're doing not well, they're doing worse than nothing. They're just waving the old uh, 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 surrender flag and the country's being invaded through the southern border. Breathtaking. All right, let's take a break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We will be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'm very uh, pleased to have as our next guest, Ambassador Sam Brownback. Now, I was looking, uh, Ambassador Brownback, at your your career, your biography, and you're far too young to be sort of talked about like this. But, I mean, you've had a, every, almost every title. I mean, you, you worked in the state government as a cabinet secretary, I think agriculture, your White House fellow during that time, which is a big deal for people that follow that, congressman, as in House, senator, um, governor, I mean, you've had almost every title, but you added ambassador in the last few years. First of all, that's a very different role than being an executive, the governor, or even being a senator. How did you find uh, being the ambassador? And you, the ambassador role was for inter, uh, religious freedom and, and a very special um, kind of um, uh, task at that time. How did you find that uh, experience? You know, I found it the most important job I've held. Wow. And that, that may seem uh, strange yeah. to some people say that, uh, being a governor and senator and People would say, what? But we were dealing with this fundamental human right of religious freedom. Yep. It's the human right of the soul, I uh, consider it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had been abused and is being abused in so many places around the world. And we were able to use the power of the administration, power of the U.S. government to press this issue, to move it forward. Got a grassroots group uh, movement uh, started. And um, and I think, you know, the ability to to be able to touch lives and souls that way, to give them the freedom that they're entitled to, uh, it was the most important thing I've ever done. And, and we've got quite a few things moving forward, a lot more to do uh, and confronted the Chinese on this in particular because yeah. they're t- particularly egregious about this. But. It was a great role. Uh, we're talking with uh, Sam Brownback, the uh, formerly the Univer- Uni- United States ambassador at large for international religious freedom is what we're talking about right now. That, that, I want to ask you about that. It's kind of well-timed. Uh, we had this week, uh, Speaker Pelosi went to Taiwan. And again, you would have watched and seen in your long career, you know, uh, we've had speakers of the House who want to play a international role. Certainly Newt Gingrich was well known in the world. And before that time, back even before your time, Tip O'Neill, he would he would talk about how he was uh, you know had this role so here she is Uh, on one hand it's fine on another hand it seemed to me the opportunity was on what you've talked about and and very clearly advocated the chinese are actually targeting for religious reasons millions of people the the uyghurs and and that didn't get as much coverage in this sort of back and forth on on her visit to china no, it didn't, because the issue really was security yeah. uh, this time. And the Chinese are shifting uh, Xi Jinping and the Communist Party, their agreement with the Chinese people, if you can call it that, last 30 years have been, we'll grow the economy, you leave us alone and leave us in power. Well, now their economy isn't growing oh, so much. They've, uh, they've juiced it about all they can. Uh, and so he's moving to nationalism. And the nationalism is, we're going to get Taiwan back. Uh, so Pelosi directly confronts that, even though China, to me, is the most uh, 
worrisome issue, a country in the world on persecution of people for faith, because they're at war with faith. Remember, communism is atheistic, uh, and they do not tolerate having an allegiance higher than the government. Uh, and they just come after people of faith all over the place. But uh, the speaker's visit was about the security issue of Taiwan, and it really is confronting China on how the communists are pivoting to nationalism to keep an allegiance with the people in China. Uh, we're, again, we're talking with uh, Ambassador Sam Brownback. Um, and and therefore, I mean, one of the things I've, I've thought that's important in the last few years, and I think Trump, President Trump gets a, a bunch of credit for this, a lot of us, um, I can I'm, I can picture my mother-in-law telling me that for years she would look at the label and if it was made in China, she wouldn't buy it. And that at a certain point, 10, 15 years ago, she threw up her hands because it was all made in China. And yeah. a lot of a lot of Americans got over the made in America thing. I hate to say that, but they did. Trump sort of brought us back. Right. He's America first. And also let's stand up to China. And it kind of worked. And and if you use the phrase, which is common now, decoupling from China, you know, the, the massive bill in the Congress to try to get some uh, some uh, incentives in place. And, and spend some money to get chips made here and make it easier. I hear people say moving jobs back. So we're decoupling with China. One of the ways we can get the American mind into that is to understand the depravity of the uh, 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 the persecution. It's not minor. It's not like, oh, you're not going to be able to be a senior member of the Communist Party if you're a Uyghur or if you're uh, a, a clergyman. No, no, you're going to be put in camps. You're going to be put in re-education camps. You're going to be you're going to be, I don't know, beaten. Uh, I mean, it's not we can say that fairly concretely as the American people see that and understand it. I think it's a big part of taking the steps needed to decouple with China. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're at the beginnings of a Cold War with China, and we need to. And yeah. and thanks to Donald Trump, he was the first president that took China on. And we needed to do that uh, decades earlier. But he did it. And we're now started. And we're in that process. And you're you're going to back to a bipolar world uh, where uh, uh, you're going to have a China sphere and you're going to have an American uh, sphere of uh, influence and context. And we've got to do that to confront China. The head of the Tibetans, uh, who the Chinese have suffocated and the Tibetan Buddhists that they've uh, persecuted heavily, said, look, either the world will change China or China will change the world. Mm. Uh, wow. We have got to do this sort of confrontation. And I loved what Ronald Reagan did when he took the Soviet Union on when his uh, uh, he was on out on the speaking uh, circuit with GE. Uh, he really went at the Soviet Union and he went at their religious persecution and their atheism mm. to show to the American public this is not right, that you would subjugate a whole group of people uh, to atheism. And that but that's what China is doing. I think we need to get back on the Reagan uh, circuit and really highlighting China's persecution of people of faith. And they'll do things even of forced organ harvesting of people of faith. And it's all faiths. And I, I think this is really, I think, one of those ways you can talk to the American public about the evils of the Chinese communist regime. Uh, again, uh, uh, Ambassador Sam Brownback is, is with us talking. Now, uh, let me, uh, w important, when we find these moments where it's, we're able to say this very clearly, we need to say it, I think, and, and, and meaning this, 
there there's bipartisan support on this. You know, you you highlighted for me uh, a few weeks ago, there was a, a big summit. You sent your team sent over uh, the summit and, and uh, the uh, um, for uh, on this subject. And, and you spoke, obviously, but so did Nancy Pelosi and so did Secretary Blinken and so did Secretary Pompeo. And on this issue, are you Sam Brownback after decades of seeing the back and forth and the in and out and having to work as a legislator? I think you did well in your career with Democrats and all. But on this issue, is there common ground or is there still are we still is there a divide between conservatives and and uh, Democrats or the left? No, on this issue of international religious freedom, there's common ground and there's bipartisanship and we work hard to maintain it uh, because we need it. Nancy Pelosi has been excellent on confronting China's uh, persecution of Tibetan Buddhists in particular. And a number of other uh, uh, Democrats have as uh, have as well. So we we need to maintain that. And plus, too, you know, the American public is already out there ahead of the American government on separating from China. Mm-hmm. Uh, the public opinion on this, they are opposed to us being so dependent upon China. And Trump saw that and Trump helped lead that. Uh, right. But the Biden administration has continued it. They continue right. to call it a genocide of what was happening to the Muslim Uyghurs in Western China. And the Christian persecution is horrific as well. Uh, so I, I just think we need to really spend time traveling the country of America talking about uh, the evils of what's happening in China to the people of faith, because it really tends to make it real then to the public about if you're a Muslim, you're likely to be in a concentration camp or have a family member in a concentration camp in Xinjiang today. Hmm. Today, that's hmm. happening. Wow. And to emphasize and to showcase that. Uh, Ambassador Brownback, so people listening to this say to themselves, yep, I see it. And they got a guy like Sam Brownback, who's at, uh, you know, in his early 60s, is at the height of what could be a career doing lots of other things. I'm making lots and lots of money, probably doing lots of other things as a, 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 a lobbying or whatever and doing this. Where do they go to find out more about what you're doing? I don't know if you are now. I don't know the answer. I apologize for not having it ahead of me. Uh, are you affiliated now with an entity that's promoting this? Are you working with the, the your successor as, as the ambassador? Is that the way for people to be engaged? I think it's uh, I think there's a lot of energy for this. And frankly, to say it point blank, this one feels good as well as is good, as opposed to sometimes where we've got to fight our neighbors and our friends and talk about, you know, it's difficult. This one seems a little, I don't know, easier is not the word, but it, 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 it fits easier in this moment. So where, where do you send people to get more involved? And, you know, two places I'm affiliated with. Uh, one is Open Doors USA, okay. great group that advocates for Christians persecuted overseas, and I'm a senior fellow there. Okay. The second one is a domestic-focused group. It's the National Committee for Religious Freedom. Okay, uh, I've helped uh, stand that group up, and it's fighting for the free exercise of your religious rights here at home. And they mm-hmm. people can go to that website, the ncrf.org. Okay. ncrf.org. Uh, and that's the one, that's the one I'm really putting as much time as anything into. And then I've started uh, on the a book project on China's war on faith. Oh, good. Because I just, I really think we've got to wake the Western world up to, uh, to what's taking place, what the Chinese are actually doing to the faith community. I mean, the the forced organ harvesting of Falun Gong members and of right. Uyghurs, yeah. the the Christians that are being locked up and uh, and jailed, the things they're doing is 
like back in uh, the Nazi era uh, leading up to World War II. Uh, I mean, th- this is really stunning things that are happening. And we continue to allow China to just freely operate in the world and not confronting them more on this. We've got to confront them on it. Well, uh, I appreciate that, Sam. Uh, uh, Ambassador Brownback, I'll put that out on our social media and uh, encourage people. I know. Uh, thank you for taking the time. I, you know, as a father myself, I know I, I marvel. You've got five kids, you and your wife and uh, your uh, Kansas uh, man. So thanks for everything you're doing for the country and for stepping up, especially with uh, President Trump. I, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons people stepped into service and reasons people didn't. And uh, I just appreciate those that did. So thank you for that. Honored to do it. God bless you all. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, Ambassador Bra- Sam Brownback, we'll put that up on social be- media, everybody, and uh, especially those links to where he is working and uh, look forward to his book project, too. So uh, th- uh, we'll take a quick break, everybody. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Todd Benzman, who is the Senior National Security Fellow over at the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. CIS.org. If you're not going there, both to, both to check Todd and his work and also his colleagues there do good work. Well, Todd Benzman has a post a day or so ago. The title is New Migrant Superhighway, Bringing the World from South America to Texas. So welcome back, Todd Benzman. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. Well, and so I'm I'm looking at this piece and it's some of what you've been talking about for months to us. But in some ways, you're sort of describing now the all the pieces came together. It's like if you were building a superhighway, you'd have to have this off ramp, that off ramp. You'd have to have some uh, pavement here. Well, now all the pieces are put together. I guess that's the that's the point. Walk us through this what where the superhighway comes from and what it means it's not a path it's not a little uh uh you know wandering path it's a superhighway walk us through this right so first of all the darien gap is uh, a passageway that is notorious now and more well known to most americans than it has been in years and years because of uh, press coverage, a lot of press coverage. Right. That is how people get from the entire rest of the world through Colombia to Panama on the on the, the main route into uh, Mexico and then the United States. Well, you know, almost fifty percent of everybody hitting the border is now from someplace other than Central America or Mexico. They're from one hundred and fifty different countries. And last year, 140,000 people made this 10-day, uh, painful, savage, dangerous trek through the Darien jungle. It's uh, 60 miles on foot uh, to get to Panama. Uh, and then from there, it's, it's kind of a cakewalk by comparison. And there was a lot of press coverage about this. And the Mayorkas... DHS Secretary Mayorkas and Anthony Anthony Blinken went down there and cut a deal secretly, quietly with the Panamanians to shorten the route to make it so that it's only a two-day trip over much less forbidding terrain. And that has been in place since February, March. And almost nobody is doing the big dangerous trip that most Americans who are paying attention to this are familiar with. 
It takes about two days. The Panamanian, uh, the equivalent of the Coast Guard, has pulled its vessels back from blocking the coastline on the Caribbean side so that the smuggling boats can land Hmm. and get into Panama. So, I mean, it's this official government endorsement of smuggling Mm -hmm. to make it easier uh, through there. And that was done by diplomatic agreement with the administration is so that's uh, the first yeah, yeah keep go going ahead. no keep going no no i i that's it that, that's, i i want st- to i want to ask you a million questions but i want you to f- finish the sort of flow okay yeah so then the other sort of impediment and speed bump that people coming in from all around the world were facing was in southern mexico and the trump administration uh threatened the obrador administration in 2018 2019 to block up that route coming into Southern Mexico with national guard, with troops, soldiers, and, you know, people could get through it, but it was, uh, you know, they were holding them back there until there were 30, 40, 50, 60,000 at a time. It was somewhat of an impediment. Eventually they would let everybody go after three or four months, but it was, uh, you know, it was a deterrent for probably some, and it did slow the, the role a little bit. Well, after a whole lot of shuttle diplomacy with the Biden Blinken uh, uh, departments, uh, Mexico is now handing out to everybody these fast pass visas. There's no longer, uh, uh, you know, bo- uh, National Guard holding them back. They're no longer. They're just making no pretense, and so everybody gets this pass, right? It's like a seven-day transit pass and then a 30-day one in this other town that gives them the legal right to head straight to the U.S. border. And that's what's happening now. You've got uh, a between the Darien Gap and now this new agreement, what the Biden administration has been saying that they wanted all along, which was a safe, humane, and orderly migration to the u.s border that's their that's their mantra what what uh, what we're talking with uh todd bensman and and again you 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 all need to are listening need to read this piece we're we're basically walking through his essay which is over at cis.org new migrant superhighway bringing the world from south america to texas um todd uh the effect of this right until now I mean, again, to be to use the metaphor that captures your imagination, you know, they cut the ribbon on the new superhighway. Now it's open. And so what you have is sort of um, very little friction, very little uh, problem getting from where to where. I mean, getting from, you know, Central Africa to the American border. Okay, but so walk me through where to where. Is that what's happening? Is it it, or is it all of Latin America is lining up and saying now's the time for, you know, uh, to get there? You know, in in your piece, you quote a a, a, you 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 um, extract a quote from an interview. I think a Venezuelan uh, uh, person, a man uh, did when he was talking about, yeah, it's time to get the quick pass and go. So what's the dynamic now that the superhighways open? What's the dynamic? Is it is it flooding from the Latin America? Is it from all over the world? Is it both? Is it what are the numbers? What do you what's, what do you expect to happen now? Well, first of all, I'm going to totally steal your cut the ribbon. Uh, OK, comment there. <laughs> I'll uh, use that somewhere. OK, uh, 
but yes, the the effect is that the route is the t- the two biggest speed bumps uh, and deterring speed bumps are now gone on that route, and we can expect to see huge numbers of people, and we are already down there from Africa, every country on the continent over there. I mean, from you, you name a country in Africa, Guinea, Burkina Faso, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Liberia, Mauritania, Somalia are all present in significant numbers on this route and coming through and showing up at the border. Also from the Middle East, uh, as I often talk about from all countries of the Middle East, from China, from Asia, from South Asia, from really the entire world, and a lot from Colombia and Venezuela and Ecuador and Brazil and Cuba and Haiti. Hmm. Those people are showing up in huge numbers at the border in increasing numbers because we're letting them in. Hmm. We are rewarding those particular nationalities with entry and to stay pretty much forever. We're probably never going to get them out. There are just too many of them. And so uh, we're looking at about um, 7,000 a day uh, now crossing over the border. And uh, this is all done a little bit in advance of the ultimate lifting of Title 42, which is what everybody is waiting for and what everybody's coming for. Uh, the rest of Title 42, which is the uh, very important uh, pandemic-related instant expulsion policy that Trump put in, Biden kept in place, although he opened up huge exemptions in it, which is why we have the problem we have now, just the exemptions. When the rest of it uh, falls, uh, we we should be seeing the 12,000 to 18,000 a day number. That's what that's about. It's safe, humane, and orderly is how the Biden administration constantly, if you listen to anything they say, either the president or Mayorkas, they're, they're all, they're all cued in. So that, that, uh, 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 um, Todd Benzman is our guest, CIS.org, the national security, uh, uh, fellow uh, there at the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, Todd, your piece ends with a paragraph uh, before this about this is basically the Biden uh, policy, often stated goal. And then it finishes with this sentence. It just should not go unnoticed. That's you writing, saying, I laid all this out and now here's what it is. It should not go unnoticed. But it is right, Todd. I mean, I know I do this to you every time. I mean, other than you talking about it and writing about it, it's not getting. I mean, if this was in another time, this would lead the news, I think, or maybe well, let's say it differently in another nation. It would probably lead the news and, and, and imperil a government, I suppose. Here, I, I, does even Fox News cover it? No, I mean, none of this is none of this has gotten American coverage. I mean, all, if you look at my piece, all the links, you're going to need your Google translator to, right. to yeah, exactly, uh, read it exactly. because it's all Spanish language uh, media. Now, yeah. the, the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal and all the big you know, publications right. have been down to the Darien Gap and they've done these huge, great stories. I mean, good coverage of the Darien Gap. But mm-hmm. if that's the last word on those papers, that means there are huge readerships still think 
that it's this big, horrible 10-day death-defying march that's uh, somewhat of an impediment uh, because almost nobody is on that route anymore. It's over. So at some point, they're going to have to update that there's a a shortcut that Mayorkas arranged. Right. (laughs) And with the Panamanian government that they arranged. So, you know, that's kind of a, a twist in the story. It's kind of a major development. It's a kind of a major story, a major, a major piece of the puzzle. I mean, again, um, I, 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 I guess the question in my mind is why? I mean, it, it just as a matter of policy, you, you lay it out. It's kind of interesting, right? Here's a, you got a, a title 42 overlay. You've got a, uh, a, a, a path that is dangerous. Uh, you've got a, uh, bureaucratic decisions. You've got international affairs, all these overlays. I mean, it's, it's almost like there's a little bit of everything. Whatever your interest is, is here. And yet it's not covered. I mean, I, I don't, I, I know why. I think I know why, but it is still surprising to me. Right. Well, I mean, it's not hard to cover. You can, I mean, I did it from Austin. You know, I didn't even have to go right. down. I've been to the Darien. I've right. been to the Darien. Right. I've been all along, all along the trail. I'm just saying that it's, it's, I think that, that this story of the crisis, uh, to the extent that it's gotten covered, has gotten grudging, reluctant coverage. Like you just, they, we have to do this, darn it. Right. Uh, because it makes the Democrats just look terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and it raises a debate. These things are all publicly debatable. For example, uh, you know, one reason that Mayorkas could say that he shortened, put, put these shortcuts in is because the long route was super dangerous and all kinds of children were right. dying, right. pregnant right. women on that route. So right. here it's le- it's less dangerous. However, when you make it less dangerous, more people can come. Right. And why are you making it possible for more people to come instead of blocking them there right. and having repatriation flights fly them all back to Africa and Haiti and everywhere else? So it's just a fair debate to have. Yeah. Um, well, to, I, 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 to, to, to your point, I mean, again, Todd Benzman's our guest, CIS.org. To your point, Todd, it is a, it, it, there is, there's arguments to be made on all sides. If people want to make them genuinely right, they could say, hey, it's it's safer to stop the Darien Gap run. They could say they're coming anyway. We'd rather do it like this. They could say we have a policy preference. They could say a lot of things. And instead, the problem is the country is watching, not watching. The country's not seeing the decision made on a major, major issue for our nation. We're not seeing it. We're just it's just happening. And I think that's the right. Thing that's or, still- or, you know, uh, you know, down in southern Mexico, I've been to Tapachula you know, many times, that's where all that's happening. And I've been to the National Guard, uh, you know, they've got them at roadblocks. And they block traffic, and they check all the buses and trucks and pull people off and send them back. Right? Well, now the same National Guard is escorting caravans, north, 16 Mm. caravans, in the just the month of July, instead of blocking them, they're escorting them. (laughs) I mean, this is like a sea change in, you know, mass migration patterns. And and that's a story. If you covered the the original deployment of that National Guard, then now their duty seems to be changing. You know, that's a legitimate 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Todd Benzman. Thank you, as always. Uh, everyone go to CIS.org. There's a lot of, to read there. Todd's stuff, especially, but others. Uh, thanks, Todd. Be safe. And we'll talk again very soon. Uh, I assume uh, it's important stuff, guys. I'll, I'll go put on social media all my interviews with Todd or I'll link back to the last few. It's the best way to learn what's going on there. And uh, nobody else is talking about it. So uh, right, we take a break, though. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. America has always been a place where life is valued. Going back to our founding documents, Thomas Jefferson wrote of the American value of life in the Declaration of Independence. He penned the famous words, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When the abortion issue took center stage in 1973, many Americans wondered how the Roe v. Wade decision could be made compatible with American values. However, it is clear that abortion and American values can never coexist. Abortionists cannot hide behind scientific evidence because science is clearly on the side of life. Modern science proves that unborn children are not senseless clumps of cells. They are unique human beings. Science in the field of genetics proves that unborn children have a unique genetic makeup beginning with conception. The ultrasound machine and certain pain capability tests also prove that unborn children are truly alive. Abortionists cannot hide behind a globalist worldview either. The sad truth is that America has less restrictions on abortion than most other countries in the world. The United States is one of only four countries that allow late-term abortions for any reason. That puts us in the company of countries like Communist China and North Korea. The United States should not betray our own values. The American people should not have to kowtow to the whim of a few judicial supremacists. More Americans than ever oppose abortion. It's time for the voice of the people to be heard. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, following up on something that um, uh, we heard Todd Benzman talk about in the last week, uh, over in the Washington Post, of all places, uh, they are describing pretty straightforwardly how the Biden administration has totally given up on uh, on uh, the um, uh, wait in Mexico 
protocol where you keep these people from coming across our border. You, you keep them in Mexico so that they, they can't get into the legal system. And if you listen closely, this is exactly what Todd has been saying. Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies. This is the problem. You, you let them into our country far enough that they can invoke the legal system. And then the legal system is so broken that they're here for good. And so the almost as everything else is falling apart in this country, when you watch inflation's up, the economy seems off, the FBI is invading everywhere, all kinds of things, you've got the Biden administration just basically saying, we're giving up. We're giving up on enforcing the border. We're giving up on having any of the laws that say that might stop us from having these people, having people come to our country. And as Todd Benzman said, once the word gets out across the world, it's Katie bar the doors. People are aware of it and they're coming. They're coming. It's, it's not a caravan. It's now a, a regular flow of people coming to America. And the Biden administration is saying, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to bother with anything to stop the uh, influx. It's unbelievable. It's breathtaking. And I have to say, if the Republicans, conservatives, God-fearing Americans don't start talking about the invasion of this country, they are missing the issue that people will relate to. It's true people think that the systems are corrupt, you know, the FBI and other things. Yeah, that's true. But they also see the, the disregard for the American people in favor of other people from other parts of the world. Breathtaking. All right. Thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, Joanna Spilger, uh, associate producer. Thank you for listening. It's Ed Martin. We'll be back tomorrow. It's the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.